Welcome to The Counselor's Chair, a podcast brought to you by Traverse Counseling Services. Join us as we explore all things human, mental health, psychology, philosophy, and a few extras. Be sure to check us out on all forms of social media and visit our YouTube channel at The Counselor's Chair. Hey everyone, Josh here. I wanted to give you a heads up about a few things regarding this episode. We usually keep the content PG just in case the kids are in the car. However, there are some adult concepts regarding addiction and mentioning of certain content that may not be appropriate for young children. Two, the first 20 minutes of this episode are a little slow because we cover the benefits of social media. I still recommend you give it a listen, but if you want to skip to the more intense material, that begins around minute 21. At that point, Andrew and I discuss the dangers, brain and dopamine responses, and social implications of social media. This was a highly requested episode, so we're super excited to bring it to you. As always, we hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) Josh and Andrew here. Um, It's good to be back in the studio with this guy. It's been a few episodes since we were on together, and uh, sorry for the delay in episodes. The time of year is a little bit busy around the office, and obviously with all the traveling things for the holidays so uh good to be here good to see you andrew yeah for sure man it's been it's uh good to be back yeah um and today uh you heard it in the intro but we're gonna be talking about social media i had put a post out on instagram and facebook asking for some feedback on episodes that you thought we should drop and this was unanimous actually there were no other suggestions really Uh, yeah there were four (laughs) suggestions in regards to social media (laughs) um they had to do with the effects of social media on the brain comparison um particularly two ladies asked us to talk about comparison and so we can definitely hit on comparison um and the other the other two requests were right in line with those those things as far as the effects go so um we'll just jump on in um so i'd maybe a great place to start would actually be because i i think social media what is like a it's like a two-edged sword of sorts uh, andrew like it's uh it's been beneficial for mm-hmm. culture and society and individuals and organizations and it also has a price tag associated with it sure. right so i think it would be good to to, to hone in on what is actually positive about social media on the front end and then sort of break that down um, and how that can go sideways. That seems like a good natural flow to move in the direction of. Um, yeah, so, I mean, dude, from your experience with social media, what you've taken in, listened to, um, and, and what you know um, clinically and professionally of social media, yeah, what are some of the ways that you think it's been beneficial um, to individuals, culture, society. Well, I mean, okay, so there's the obvious, right? It, I mean, it connects people, you know, mm-hmm. all over the world. Um, so, I mean, that's that's pretty new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. and and incredibly epic, right? I mean, that's. Um, I mean, that's an awesome thing to be able to communicate with people, loved ones, friends. I know uh, when I first got on Facebook. I mean, I think Facebook had only been. 
uh, around for a year or two, mm-hmm. and it was only college students. So I remember oh, yeah, messaging right. everybody, uh, you know, that I graduated with, and and it was awesome before it got all political and crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. That's so, like you had to be in a college community yep. to be part of Facebook. Yep, That's, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, oh. I was. Uh, I remember being like. 22 and then it i think around that time it was it became open to the public and i was like oh no (laughs) um you know because my mom got on there (laughs) and then uh so you know it just it changed that dynamic but um uh you know what i can only really speak to my own experiences i know that you've done a little more in-depth research about it specifically but um uh, there's there's so much positive information out there. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people that I follow um, on Instagram, in particular, uh, are people are podcast people that I listen to, right. um, exercise and fitness uh, people, um, just a, a, a nutritionist, mm-hmm. um, a lot of mindfulness uh, type pages. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think it connects people also with uh, a deeper understanding of like what's out there, what's available. Yeah, um, I love it when, um, like, well, for example, I mean, it's hard to keep up with all the podcasts and everything, so it's nice to um, to see the people who we listen to. You know, they'll post like, "Hey, just interviewed this person." And it's like, "Oh, awesome! Okay, so I can listen to that instead right. of like sifting through it every day, like mm-hmm. who, who's interviewing who and whatnot." So. Yeah. Well, and to speak to that that first part that you said too, as far as connecting the world and like connecting mm-hmm. us, it bigger than the telephone, right? Because oh, we're yeah. connecting in words, we're connect. I mean, you connect in audio, you connect video. in video, yep. you, you connect in written form, um, and so it's it's definitely a powerful tool and a powerful tool for positivity right. as well like we, we, I follow a lot of the same people that you do in fact you I think this is the other thing about social media in regards to that that is positive is you know you've told me about a lot of those people I didn't stumble right. upon them if it was up to my Instagram feed it would just show me a bunch of fish <laughs> show me a bunch of fish and yeah. flies and like uh, dad photos, you know. <laughs> got you on uh, Wim Hof last yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> Wim Hof got Watch, it. <laughs> watching a lot of people take some ice baths. Yeah, that guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, if you don't follow Wim Hof, give him a follow. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, that there's a piece of education, right? right and I mean, yeah. even Traverse, um, it's we we try and be very specific about what we post instead of just posting random things uh, and and trying to get likes or follows i mean i could care i I actually manage a good portion of that and i could care really a a less though it's it's good to get feedback at the same time i really just want it to be educational right i think that's one of the biggest benefits of social media is you can put announcements out there or you can Mm -hmm. put education out there in a format in a way that just was not available Ten years ago, uh, no way. I mean, you had to go to like news. I mean, you had to put like yeah. ads in like you had to online read books. Yeah, like, <laughs> ads in like online newspapers yeah. and stuff. You know, or like mass emails, <laughs> which no one ever checked, or they went to spam. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are really interesting points. I think a couple of things that I would that I've seen personally beneficial too is for organizations like nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, Facebook did their big Giving Tuesday thing. Um, that that was recent. What was that? 
last week, or no, it was this week, this past Tuesday, they did the Giving Tuesday where they matched $7 million on a first-come, first-served basis. So you had a lot of nonprofits put their information out there requesting for funds. They, They have it on their platform now that you can raise money and they actually like waive a bunch of fees in order for nonprofits to raise money and have minimal funds taken out of their donations it's it's pretty cool right on facebook you can do it sweet um so i thought that's i mean that's really really cool another uh, this goes into comparison but this is more maybe a healthy comparison like i love to tie flies for fly fishing right Mm -hmm. and so there are these groups and online communities that you can connect with where you learn new patterns or people offer suggestions on the stuff that you post you can find out about new products and ultimately like i don't have access to in my immediate circle i mean i don't have access to maybe three i have access to maybe three or four fly tires right Mm -hmm. and so i'm only as good as my little network that can teach and teach each other and oftentimes we don't tie together but man i can hop on facebook or i can hop on instagram and check out what other people have been doing and they post videos and instructionals youtube's become a social platform too so we don't want to leave that one out um so i can hop on there and like see where i can make improvements on my flies or learn, learn new tactics and stuff so i mean that's that's really taken like my hobbies to the next level sure right for sure and then even in our own industry looking for trainings um seeing how people are doing uh mindfulness talks or what is it like guided meditations like mm-hmm. you can look that stuff up you can see what people on the front forefront of your industry are doing in your industry and strive to be um strive to be a little bit a little bit better or a little bit tighter with your information so that i mean those are some incredibly beneficial things yeah. Um, yeah, I think what we're both saying is that, I mean, it, it almost like makes us like infinitely more intelligent mm-hmm. because it gives us so much access oh, to man, yeah. um, so many positive things. Yes. So. Well, that, and I think about like my family, <clears throat> I live, well, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and most of my family is in Northern Virginia, and then most of my in-laws are in Louisiana. And so I don't have any immediate any immediate family here on my side. Uh, we have one aunt that does live. Julia's aunt lives here with some of her family. Yeah. But if if social media didn't exist, I wouldn't actually be able to put some like pictures up or like post about what we were doing. You'd you know, have to mail yeah copies mail. <laughs> of your family pictures. Yeah, or do like the family <laughs> newsletter email. You know yep. what I mean. <laughs> Um, so it, it really does give my family and my friends who live, you know, out of town access to our access to our personal lives that they would have if they lived closer, if we lived closer to them. So that's another really cool and positive, positive yeah. aspect of it, um, as long as it's not getting intrusive or being used against you. So, yeah, I mean, those are those are some of the I think some of the more obvious positives I I would say there's also been some positives in regards to information checking. So Mm. let's say you put an idea or a thought out there into the social world or somebody else does. Mm -hmm. You're putting your material and thoughts out there to a whole world of knowledge that can correct or... People can fact check you. Yeah, fact check you or, um, you know, you have... You have a big world event happen, 
and you are starting to think that it's going in a certain way, but there are certain aspects and ways you can use social media to fact check your own opinion of what is happening as factual or not factual as right. some of the information is. And I know there's danger there as well, but I'd say by and at large, like you have companies, even even within my experience of Traverse, like I don't put things out there into the social media world that I don't um, feel are, are true. And right. if I if I if I'm questioning whether they're true or not, I research it because I know I'm gonna have an audience that that's hitting and one, I want it to be truthful, but two, like I have an audience out there that can fact check it. That's right. for sure. So, I think it whole I think it puts accountability in place for a lot of bigger businesses and individuals. Um, right. You know, especially in the in the helping professions and medical professions, and I, mean, I guess across the board. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, some accountability. Yeah, it really there. helps with um, like uh, combat conformity mm-hmm. or too much um, social power. Yeah, with businesses or government. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you and know, it's free, and it is free, <laughs> and it, it's free to an extent, right? I, I go, I man, I guess there, there are way more positives than I than I thought I would land on in the conversation, but there's an advertising positive too. Again, this can go totally sideways. We're going to talk about the two edged sword of yeah, this, yeah. but it is really it's an amazing thing that a business or even an individual that's just trying to get a product out there. Um, can pay for ads on right. social media and yeah. have their information or their product presented rapidly to an audience. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that type of thing just never existed. You know, you back in you know, 15 years ago, you put an ad in a paper mm-hmm. or they were still using like the white pages, you mm-hmm. know, and, <clears throat> you know, Bob's plumbing service can now kick out 20 bucks and, hit 3,200 people within a very specific demographic so that that money is not being spent um, just going out to whoever picks up the paper, right? It's going to the specific feeds of people that live in the area, the age demographic they would like it to go to. Mm-hmm. And that's an incredible thing for businesses. Sure. Um, and we've <clears throat> we've definitely, you know, utilized those tools to, to really narrow down and try and find people even that... Uh, the algorithms can narrow things down based on postings and and find who may be dealing with anxiety and depression um, based on what they're posting and actually promote our services in those on those pages which is just i didn't actually know that (laughs) yeah it's unreal it's trippy yep um and based on like who you follow if you follow a bunch of counselors or you've been in this is the kind of scary part but facebook google instagram youtube they all network together google pulls the algorithms from all of those sources and also shares your information with those sources so let's say you googled counselor in cleveland tennessee right well facebook knows that you've googled that now and it's going to start uh promoting traverse counseling services or cycling traverse counseling services and i don't even really have we don't have to pay for that facebook does it automatically Um, but if you pay for it it does it even more frequently which is which is why, you know, you might Google, I don't know, wicker basket or something like that. <laughs> and then you get on Facebook or Instagram and you have like six ads yeah. for wicker baskets, you know, popping up on your feed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Always fun. <laughs> um, and now I think Siri is listening in too. And she, Siri mm-hmm. and what is the one for Google? Um, 
for Android. I can't remember the name of it. Alexa. Yeah, so Alexa and Siri, I think, listen into conversations if you let them, which I let them. I think it just makes life easier, but <clears throat> they listen in on your conversations. And if you say wicker basket in your conversation or like, I want a wicker basket, man, it's pretty wild. It. Well, I look forward to uh, getting the ads about whisker baskets. Now. Yeah, I know. Appreciate that. <laughs> now, that you, get... now that you said it three times. Uh, yeah. I think your, get... your phone just lit up, so. <laughs> get some good deals on wicker baskets. <laughs> um, so, yeah, any other positives that you can um, you can think of in regards to that? I mean, I, I feel like it's uh, probably quite a few more. Yeah, Probably quite a yeah. I agree. There's probably quite a few more, but um, I don't know. Nothing's really coming to mind specifically. Gotcha. What about yourself? Um. Well, I think and actually this is kind of cool too. Instagram just added a feature where they work with some third-party apps uh, to where you can actually sell. And Facebook has been doing this for a while. Oh, that's another one. I'll, I'll backtrack on that. But um, Facebook has been doing this for a while where. Um, you can actually sell your products in like an online Instagram store or an online Facebook store. And so, um, you know, you could have your business opened up into the social media world, which is just, they can make the payment in Instagram. Like it's all right there. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. That made me think of GoFundMe. Yep. Yeah. It's like kind of a cool thing. Yeah. uh, And and that's like a social sharing. Mm -hmm. You have business startups and, um, you know, social funding that is that is really really increased, and so I think it's done amazing things for the business world and in and for the individual the ease of access to all of those things. Like if you can go on Instagram um, and it becomes your fate, it becomes your Amazon, it becomes Walmart, it becomes everything all down into one right. little venue. I mean that's an ease of access, and you're not going to a bunch of different places to to get your stuff so right. uh, I think that that's that's certainly certainly beneficial for the individual <clears throat> um, and then the other one I'd, like if I want to sell something secondhand, mm-hmm. I can hop on Facebook Marketplace right on and yeah so that, it's like all these different add-ons that you can that you can use that I, I really do believe that there are some positive positive aspects to social media um, I think it all started with um from from like my own personal experience, I thought it was just absolutely wild when AIM, like the Instant Messenger, AIM Instant Messenger, when it uh-huh. first came out, that you could have a dialogue in real time with somebody on a computer. That was just unreal to me. And it seems like it all grew from that platform, you know, right. and it evolved into MySpace, which I think MySpace still exists somewhere no out there. <laughs> I do. I'm going to check it. Let's see if MySpace still exists. I think somebody uh, recently just bought it. I would actually love to see my old MySpace page. Oh, dude, MySpace still exists. I remember my uh, my mood changed with whatever, whatever song I had. Oh my gosh, man! I wonder if I can still sign in. Look, bear with me. I'm gonna see if is I it, uh, still. Is it Jayzello at? Washington DC thuglife.com <laughs> It might be I don't know if I uh, that's not the Oh, that's not the right email. Let's see. I'm going to take a second and just see real quick. 
Sorry, guys. I can't not do this right now. I'm going to pour some tea. I'm not. You going to the restroom <laughs> while you're looking. All right. I can't get in there. That's going to take a Oh, maybe one more. Let's see. While you're doing that, there's one thing I would like to add. Yeah, go um, for it. That's a positive. It is, it is a community, right? So if people are actually having a difficult day or, or a hard time, you know, sometimes people will post um, needing prayer or needing support, uh, yeah. and that kind of thing. Oh, and yeah. so, um, people, you know, who might live in more rural areas or don't, you know, don't have access to a community or the ability to get out. Um, you know, it's probably it's probably nice to get some feedback and some support mm-hmm. via social media. Yeah, well, I, thinking about a friend recently whose family went through a tough time, and you know, he's able to put that information out there and right. get family help. Right. It's a, yeah. in those those real times of need to have that support come around, and I have such quick access to be able to let people know in real time what's going on. So, yeah, certainly. You know, it's certainly a double-edged sword, and all of the things that we're talking about, I think, have another edge to them in which they can become unhealthy. Sure. Uh, and, you know, we spent about about 20 minutes here talking about the positives, and that's not really what everyone asked for, but I thought it would be really important to, to talk about those things specifically before we start getting into the unhealthy ranges of it because social media isn't just going to go away like we have to understand what is at least from my perspective we have to understand what it could be used beneficially for so we can't just spend you know an hour and a half chucking it under the bus and saying you know delete the apps off of your phone and and disconnect yourself from this whole world because i think it to a certain extent that will make um, being relevant, difficult, right. um, which is exactly what I wanted to do yesterday after you and I talked about all this. Yeah, yeah. That's. I, I mean, and I, I think that the conversation is going to be jarring enough from this point forward that you might have that inclination to, to ditch it, and you should. I mean, go for it, ditch it for a time, but also realize that it'll likely sap a cycle back into your life at some point. Right. Um, I think social media once once artificial intelligence becomes uh, maximized or once it starts developing to higher levels than what it already is social media will be the plat- the primary platform for information now that's my that's my musings of it and as far as that's that's concerned i think it'll all it'll all um It'll all morph as well, and you know you'll be able to probably wear some sort of glass uh, glasses or have some sort of contacts in which you could in, engage with people in virtual reality in regards to your social media accounts. It'd be interesting to see what that comes to. So I don't know that disconnecting yourself from the concepts of social media just because you're fearful of some of the things that we talk about, and you should be fearful of them because they're very real and they're active in your brain. Um, yeah, Andrew and I were having a conversation last night about a, a video that I did that's going to come out probably before you listen to this podcast. Uh, that talks about dopamine, um, dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter in your brain. It's responsible for pleasure and reward and also for some other functions in the brain. But um, the amount of dopamine that gets released into your brain and the effects of that over and over and over again. You know, one of the statistics that's sort of staggering is that you touch or tap 
or pick up or engage with your phone and this is counting like text messaging taps and all of that but if you most america most people in america use use their phone between two and four hours a day if you're in that two to four hour range you're touching tapping or interacting with your phone uh in the vicinity of about 2600 times uh which is mind-boggling um almost disturbing yeah and if and if with let's say with each 100 or 200 taps you have a dopamine dopamine release in your brain um that is noticeable you know that's (laughs) that's that's kind of impressive i mean you've you've taken 26 hits of dopamine in two to four hours which um you know it's not going to be like hitting cocaine every time right but if it's a small increment and it's 26 of them um, that compounds into something that could mirror i mean if you were to have a dopamine release at the same uh, as those 26 things all at one time those 26 hits all at one time it probably would be something right. close to what a cocaine hit is so yep. kind of wild to think about like each day if you micro dosing cocaine yeah, yeah right so like each day you have a hit of cocaine through your phone um you know, if if I was to sit down with someone and they're like, yeah, I just use cocaine once a day. <laughs> um, uh, and I use it every day, once a day. And I say, hey, well, what's the trajectory for that three years from now? And they're like, oh, well, I'll still just be using it once a day. It's like, no, nah, man, you, you, that's not how it works. That's not how our brain works. So in regards to social media and dopamine, you know, we desire more and more and more. I've never met anybody who's been on social media for a certain amount of time, let's say over a year, and they say to me, yeah, I desire less of this stuff proactively. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I desire less now, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's hopefully what we can do is kind of bring our brains back, reel them in a little bit. Um, but yeah, let's let's jump into some of that stuff. So we talked about the positives and how it can be beneficial, uh, but let's you know let's get uh, let's get into some nitty gritty. So Andrew, like what I don't know, what do you think for you personally, but also for the people in your lives? Like, what do you think social media is primarily used for? Uh, ranting, ranting. What Not you, for me. Like, what do I've mean? never done a social media rant, uh. but when I get on. <laughs> I think the the reason that I get off uh, uh, the fastest is is when I just see rant after rant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's usually on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, um, I, honestly, I think it's just an impulse. I don't. I don't know that. I, I don't know that anybody. Well, I mean, that's a, that's too generic. But um, I think we're to the point now that most people don't think about what they use social media for. It's right. it's such a fixture in our life. It's almost just like an automatic response. I know that uh, if I have five minutes in between clients, I can probably do something productive, but I know that I'm not going to. Mm. And it's an impulse. It's not like a decision. Uh, it's going to be now. But <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think in some ways it gives people a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people say things on social media that they don't say out loud in their communities, um, uh, which I think can sometimes turn negative. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, it's just kind of where my mind's going. Well, it's a yeah, it's interesting that you that you bring it up in that fashion as far as impulse, right? <clears throat> where 
I asked this question specifically because I agree with you. I don't I don't think anybody knows what they use social media for. And I'll say it broadly. I don't think anybody wakes okay. up in the morning, you know, and I'll I'll even confirm that on a larger scale. I don't think anybody gets up in the morning and thinks, okay, this thing that I'm going to do for at least an hour today, I know precisely why I'm doing it. Um, I'm not going to intentionally get on Facebook and scroll (laughs) yeah, yeah, and notice what sensations happen in my body and in my mind. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not, it's not something we think about. And I think if we did think about it, it would, it's a really helpful place to start. Like, what do you use social media for? If you're listening to this, ask yourself that question. Most likely it's going to be precisely what Andrew just said, which is, well, I don't really know. Uh, I just do it. Um, if something's going to be occupying that much uh, time in your day, it's going to be a oper- uh, it's going to be utilizing that much neurotransmitter in your brain. Uh, then we should certainly be thinking about what in the world we're getting on that thing for. Uh, and we just don't. It's it's not something that's on the forefront. Well, and we create our own little universes in each social media platform. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can go um, like political, right? So if you like certain pages that are, you know, aligned with your political views... Uh, like you said, just the with the algorithm, you're going to get flooded with that content with videos and advertisement, and you're probably going to follow pe- people that align with your political views. And so it's it's just like um, I want to say eye candy, but I know that's the wrong. Well, eye candy, you could translate <laughs> that to affirming. clickbait. I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Well, and and ultimately, it's affirming. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it's like I'm not alone in my views. Right. And. Uh, something sort of scary to think about is Andrew used the word algorithm. You know, an algorithm is a sequence of ones and zeros. Mm-hmm. Um, the what is on your phone and what you see on a screen in regards to social media, they're pixels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you start to break when you start to break that down, um, the the idea that we're being a affirmed by that medium is a, is a little bit it's a little bit scary because um, right. it's not actually real right. uh, it's real in the sense that it may have happened mm-hmm. um, somebody may have had that thought and put it into word and sent it but but the actual interaction is not um, the actual interaction is electronic um, and so that's a little it's a little jarring when you think about it that way too I'll, I'll often talk with people that have had long-term pornography addictions and sometimes that thought is just jarring enough where it's like oh man like this is literally just it's lights on a screen um and i (laughs) i had this uh, this recent thought after reading a book about light specifically and this is uh, just bear with me on this but light like light from the sun specifically we don't see light itself Right. right. We only see what light we illuminates. See time. Yes. Yeah. When we see light is the illuminator of the things around us, right. which is interesting when you think mm-hmm. about like some of some of the religious texts across the board, like Jesus saying, I am the light. It's mm-hmm. like uh, I am the thing that illuminates everything. Right. Um, but anyway, so when we're talking about this, <laughs> when we translate that concept to your phone or to a computer in the ways in which it is it's it's a little bit different it is 
you're you're seeing you're seeing light from the screen and it's illuminating certain things towards you and it's if we want to get sort of in a philosophical or psychological space in it we really have to mind or pay attention to what is being illuminated to us um because the light from the sun will illuminate whatever is in our environment the light from your phone will illuminate um whatever the algorithm tells it to illuminate which is a which is a little bit different, I would yes. say. Um, so uh, that's an interesting way, interesting way to think about the algorithm part right. of it. But that algorithm's job is to uh, make you come back. Oh yeah, right. Um, to make you come back to whatever this this source is, and the best way to do that is through affirmation. Um, so yeah, I think this this idea of social media being attractive because it's affirming. Mm-hmm. Um, the algorithm affirms like if I click on something like I don't know uh, let's say Trump lights uh, Trump and um, Trump and party were at the lighting of the Christmas tree ceremony uh, mm-hmm. and I click on that well um, based on anything else I've clicked on that algorithm tends to generate some sort of Trump report that would bend in whatever my political views are. So if I hate Trump, likely I'm going to get some, this is how terrible Trump is right. rolling through my news feed. If I love Trump, it's going to know that based on who, where, even even just where I scrolled and stopped, even mm-hmm. if I didn't click on something. If I scrolled and stopped over an article that was like, job employment is up right now yeah. right like if it's gonna put those two things together and it's gonna give me a bunch of positive trump stuff it's just wild to think about man. it just hurts me yes it does <laughs> wow. uh so when you when you put it in that perspective that affirmation is coming from an algorithm um i, I would i would challenge everybody that specific type of algorithm that specific type of affirmation I, I don't know how real that actually is right um yeah anyway i got off on a little tangent there uh you know i and i wonder i mean what you know like the social implications of that andrew where an algorithm is providing affirmation for someone versus an actual person or physical touch or gathering together in a physical community like when an algorithm is nursing you versus your community your actual like real life real time community is nurturing you like what you know what are the effects of that like what 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 do you think i think it almost becomes like a form of coping Mm. it's like how substances uh handicap a symptom versus um, actually doing productive and healthy things for your life, which takes more work, more intentionality, that you have to get comfortable with the process. But the process is what you look back on and you thank yourself uh, you know, for making the sacrifices and making the effort right. Mm-hmm. Versus this is, it's almost like an addiction in the sense um, that it's just, it's, it's quick validation. Right. It's, you can get your little micro dose of, of dopamine and and you know feel better and so maybe it's it might be debilitating to one's motivation to actually reach actually reach out to community Mm -hmm. um 
because you, you know, you kind of get your fix, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of um, actually uh, hanging out with people, spending, you know, doing, uh, going outside of your home, being active, meeting, Mm -hmm. meeting new people, because that's awkward. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not, um, I think it's natural, but it's not, it's not the easiest thing to do. I think we have, uh, you know, insecurities that, um, that, social media might cater to mm-hmm. uh, to keep us in our homes or in our little uh, bubble yes. uh, with our you know faces kind of stuck in the in the screens right yeah and what's wild about that what's really wild about that is social media might have actually created the insecurity mm-hmm. right so social interactions were somewhat awkward 15 years ago right right but now social interactions look different they feel different um and i don't even know the ways in which social media has actually created the insecurity that it actually pacifies sure so when you think about that quick fix it Mm -hmm. like generated the problem that you need the quick fix for and every time you go back to it it just generates more insecurity and creates more of a problem precisely in what you put your finger on well, I think that in that process. Because it helps you avoid. Right. It helps you avoid awkwardness mm-hmm. or judgment mm-hmm. or uh, whatever your insecurity is because you've created, like we've talked about, you've created your own little uh, political, religious, whatever, whatever your thing is platform, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so every time you open that screen, you're you're fed with all of that information that that grabs your attention, mm-hmm. and then you lose time, right? Yeah. Uh, how many times have we um, kind of had focused attention on something like this, and then you you know it's like twenty minutes, an hour, or however much time goes away? I get this. I, w- I get the thing on Sundays where it tells you how much screen time you've had yeah, and, it, and it paints it as like a positive or negative thing. Like, congratulations, you're up 20%. And I'm just like, no, oh man, yeah. <laughs> you know, epic fail. I don't want to be congr- congratulated on that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you, you hit on another really important thing there, Andrew, which is it, it sort of robs you of a process. Yes. Right. It robs you of a, of a process of having to navigate uh, views and um, problems within yourself that you, that you actually have to address. And that process is actually really important for facing the difficulties of life. Yeah. Right? Social media becomes a checkout versus actually engaging with the life that is immediately in front of you and the boredom that is immediately in front of you. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think about, I think it naturally it starts to play in, you know, we're talking about social media sort of broadly, and I think we're going to hone in on it more and more specifically with, let's say Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, and what's an, what's another one? Um, oh, what is the one where you can Snapchat? Let's go with those, right? So it's pretty much in all of those, there's a way for your audience to give you feedback. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about social media broadly and using social social media as a sort of world that is affirming to you. Um, And it can also be a world that is challenging, but by and at large, it it winds up being affirming or giving you information that you you didn't actually have to search for. Um, So... 
Let's go specifically into likes, though. And then I think we'll go into followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> what do you think the role of a like is for yourself, for people in general? Like, what does a like do when somebody thumbs up on Facebook or loves your photo on Instagram or retweets or not or likes your tweet in Twitter? I'm pretty sure that's still a thing. You know, what 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 do you think the role of that is? Personally, this is a difficult question for me because I don't care. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, but I mean, I would assume uh, for people. I, I, well, okay. When I say I don't care, I never post anything. Mm-hmm. I rarely. I mean, I think I might do a maybe an annual post. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So you don't you don't really post anything to social media. Not so really. So the, the time you spend on social media is watching other people's lives. Yeah. Oh man, you just messed me up. Thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> right. No, I just—it's a fascinating thing because I don't really post a lot either. And yeah. so when you said that, I was like, "Oh, God!" Like I do the same. I really am similar. I post maybe once, twice a month. Um, sure. But anyway, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so I assume for someone who who is like a daily poster, right? So like I said, I, I follow a lot of like fitness and I mean generally the, the the fitness and the nutrition people that I follow that's their business. So it it's free marketing for them to do a daily post at least. Right. And um, and so I would I can only assume that you know uh, not only on a business standpoint but on a personal standpoint because they're putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's 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 instant gratification or it's instant rejection mm-hmm. uh, if you if you don't get the the uh, likes or followers that you want to have. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, the way you put it there, especially towards the end, I think becomes the most relevant part of the conversation for us. Mm-hmm. Is that those, at least from my perspective and what I see, is it becomes a measuring stick for what is valuable and what isn't. Right. Right. And rather than having your own internal, um, your own internal interpretation that this thing is valuable, whether anybody likes it or not, um, that can actually be swayed. And what is valuable now becomes society's input on what you think might potentially be valuable. Sure. So it can very subconsciously, I put a post out there, <clears throat> let's say on my fly tying group of uh i did this like and i'll be i don't mind to be personal with this but i did this recently like i finished a box of flies and posted it to the group Mm -hmm. i was just like hey did this thing and made some little joke with it too you know and i think it got like i don't know 90 likes and 24 hours or something like that which is pretty high for that group it's pretty cool um considering most of the fly fishermen in the world are above 50 yeah (laughs) i know right (laughs) so i i you know that and there were a bunch of comments on it and i posted something else in that too and there was a lot of dialogue around it i didn't expect it to be but i could feel in myself this sort of thing rise of like okay i I thought that was cool so it really like it must be to get that kind of traction sure um and so it's it's not just like affirming to the little world that you want to create it becomes value specific uh it it's it's not just an affirmation of you or an affirmation of information or things that you like it helps you determine 
<laughs> whether you want it to or not. Likes help you determine whether something's valuable. Hmm. So you can also look at it this way. If you pull up, let's say you come across a podcaster's page, right? Mm-hmm. You're on, <clears throat> you do podcasts or a health fitness guy or yeah. health, health fitness lady. And they have, you know, a thousand posts and they have like uh, 200 followers and they follow like 10,000 people. Right. And you open their first post and there's like 10 to 12 likes. Right. But you go to a different fitness person's page mm-hmm. and they have, you know, 20K followers and they're following like 100 people, right? Yeah. And right. Yeah, yeah. all their photos have like between 1,000 to 3,000 likes. Right. In your mind, and, and you may do your best to temper this in the moment, but I would argue that it's not content. I don't think you can contend with it ag- adequately. It's like there is going to be value associated with the higher likes, more followers, yeah, for sure. and the more tracked account, like a, an account that has more traction than this other account that doesn't have as much traction. Right. So you're immediately valuing something or someone, a product or a person. Uh, based on what you're seeing in their likes as well. So it's not just this value determinator for your own content, but when you're looking at the content of something else, I think it also causes you this sort of internal value Hmm. uh, building platform, which is kind of scary too, especially if it's all an algorithm that's feeding it to you. Um, So you're essentially uh, on the back half, the algorithm giving you the fitness coach right so it's not giving you the likes or anything like that but um anyway yeah that was that's sort of my thoughts on that too is it helps determine value which i don't think is a is a great thing if something's valuable to you let it be valuable to you whether other people like it or not do you think it's kind of generate like it can generate uh like a narcissism over over time Mm -hmm. well I would like for those um, like for those types of pages where they're mm-hmm. they're they're getting that much feedback like they like uh, kind of start to drink their own Kool Aid like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, man. I I would say definitely. I mean, if if on that end, if you're getting a ton of positive feedback and a ton of likes, mm-hmm. I think the natural inclination is for you to think that you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're actually doing something right or not needs to be determined by other factors right. than social media likes. Yeah. Um, and so if you start drinking your own Kool-Aid, yeah, I mean, I could totally see the potential for narcissism. I could also see it in the opposite direction yeah, yeah. where maybe somebody is doing something right. Something's doing so, somebody's doing something very they're just good. They're not getting the following. Yeah, they're not getting the traction. They're not getting the following. And so they, they may think, oh, man, what I'm doing is not you know, valuable or worth it. What about people who um, maybe tamper with their own ethics to get more likes? So what they're posting, um, certain, like, we'll say, like, body image type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, what they're, like, one post might not get a lot of likes, but then if they go more risque or more provocative or whatever, like, might get more likes. Yeah. Well, it's... It, I guess it, it's scary at that point, right? right? Um, where you bend your own ethics 
to a place that seems like it's more valuable to society than if your ethics stood alone on their own within your within yourself Uh, and i'm not saying that your social environment shouldn't give you that feedback you Mm -hmm. need the feedback of your social environment the problem is is when it's you know ten thousand people you don't really know right Right. And so they don't know you. They don't know your ethic. They don't care about you. Right. Yeah. They, they, oh, this looks good. Or you look good in this photo. Mm -hmm. So I like it. Um, And that may further that, what you're talking about, that inclination to bend your ethics and do more posts like that, even though that was already on the line of what was ethically responsible for you or not. That's that dopamine stuff too, right? So like we want more likes. The like gives us the dopamine. I talk about this in this little blurb that I did. We're releasing a thing called Think About It, guys. It's like a video series that I hope to put out every couple of weeks that accents an important part of living. And the research that I did showed that the Facebook and Instagram algorithms specifically, um, that they utilize a system in which they withhold your likes uh, to keep you in a sort of limbo stage. And that's that's like and slot uh, casinos figured this out a long time ago, where you pull a slot and you watch numbers Mm -hmm. roll, and there's that build up, and you know there's going to be a result because you pulled the lever. Right. You don't know what the result is. There may be nothing. You right. may win nothing. Or you may win something, but they're going to they're gonna let it build for you mm-hmm. to have time for your brain's dopamine receptors to actually Gosh. engage. And, and then you get the outcome, and it's either disappointment <clears throat> or it's reward. Now, social media is actually doing the same exact thing. And that every time you pick up your phone and you open the app... Uh, there's a chance that you could have a notification or now notifications are on the actual app on your phone on your home screens and so you can just pick up your phone and turn it like I picked up my phone just now and I have an Instagram notification and a text notification right they took the step out in which you actually have to press on the app now all you have to do on an iPhone is tilt the screen up towards you you don't have to press a button you don't have to do anything you just tilt the screen up to you and that right there, they removed, they removed part of the process and made it predictable. Mm-hmm. So you can, you're in complete control of picking up and turning your phone, but you're not in control of what the phone is going to show you. Right. And so it's just like a slot machine, just like a slot machine. You're almost guaranteed there'll be something on it, but you don't know what it's going to be. And so that that is literally the system. Uh, that is literally the process that causes dopamine to move more rapidly in your brain between synopsis and create that feeling of good uh and so <clears throat> when we look at that you say you don't even need the like at that point uh we just need the notification but the notifications are coming to us in a way that actually prime our brains to produce dopamine if somebody likes something. So the like or the comment is the reward that causes the dopamine to to start moving in the brain. So you can think about it this way, that the delay or the time between you picking up your phone and setting it down and the time between picking up again if let's say it's you pick up your phone every 10 minutes, your brain learns that pattern. Right. And so between minute eight and minute 10, it's starting to engage its dopamine, its dopamine circuits. It's starting to engage them and prepare them for the hit. And at minute 10, you pick it up and turn it to yourself and the dopamine increases. 
That is insane. That's literally how illicit, uh, illicit addictive drugs work. And you know this from the substance work that you did for years in the hospital. Like, that is the pattern. But it's actually now happening on our phones because the like is a dopamine hit. So it's not even just value association. <clears throat> we now have the same system engaged that's engaged at... Uh, dopamine is produced in when we feel when we when something feels good to us right yeah. so that's that's a really important thing to remember so the top three natural or the top two natural producers so within ourselves within our abilities if we put in natural things in our body the top two producers of dopamine are sex and food um, and specifically, you can fact check this, but I'm 99.9% <clears throat> sure that it's chocolate and red meat that are the top two um, producers of dopamine that are natural. Like if you're um, obviously cocaine is going to increase that or methamphetamine is going to increase that. <clears throat> but um, so when you when you when you're thinking about this, consider that the system that's being engaged is the system that is also responsible for the moments in which you feel the best. And that's why we want to come back to the phone. You know, there's a study is recently done and I cite, I cited and I can put the information too in the podcast link for everybody with the link. So you don't think I'm just spewing random information. Like these are cited studies. So this one's from Harvard that 73% of its participants experienced symptoms of a panic attack if they misplaced their phone. So uh, your natural reaction may be this. Okay, and and I wanna, I really wanna challenge this. You could do a mind activity with me. Your natural reaction may be this: Well, it's an eight hundred dollar phone, mm-hmm. right? So of course I'm gonna be worried if I misplaced it. Right. I I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you there. I want you to think about this more from an addictive or an addiction side of things. This is something that you interact with up to two to four hours a day. This phone. Um, this is something you touch on average. 2600 times in a day okay this is something that causes your brain to produce dopamine the same neurotransmitter that is produced in or increased when you have sex when you have an orgasm you're not having a panic attack when you lose your phone because it's worth money um and i'll put it into perspective All right, so as you can tell from my coughing and clearing of throat, I wasn't feeling the best in this episode. I hardly ever do this, but I'm actually going to add an edit here because my thoughts came out way fuzzier the first time that I said this. So, here's the challenge. If someone addicted to methamphetamine lost $800 worth of the drug, the financial aspect may be part of the worry, but the primary anxious response is going to be concerned with where the next hit of dopamine is coming from. Likewise, your phone is both the paraphernalia and the quote-unquote drug all within the same device. Regarding this panic from not having our phones, both consciously and subconsciously, I suspect we're having similar, though less intense, panic. But I would say that those panic attacks, and really this study shows that as well, um, that that those sort of panic-induced symptoms are actually because your brain isn't going to get what it needs for the next 24 hours, uh, which is sort of disturbing um, when you think about it. Hmm. The whole time you're talking, I'm thinking about dating. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, everything you're saying is the way is like how I describe uh, to couples to go back to what it was like when they were dating. Uh. The the build up, the excitement, the anticipation, mm-hmm. the fact that you're thinking about the other person when you're not together. There's a curiosity. It's like every time you meet, there's like it's new and fresh. And what are you going to talk about? What are you going to learn from that person? What are they sure. going to want to know from you? Like. They want to know something from you. You want to know something from them. You want to know if they're crazy or not. They're asking you about your life. That feels really good. You're asking them about their life. That feels really good to them. And then you, you know, you part ways, but then you, you call them, you text them, you think about them, you go to sleep. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's the, there's the interaction and then there's the anticipation and waiting period until you get to see that person Mm -hmm. again. And so it's honestly, it's really sad to me to think that these things are tapping into the such primal parts of our brain oh, yeah, that buddy. creates such intense bonds, you know, that, that honestly like creates life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, because I mean, I mean, again, everything that you were saying, it's just like, Oh my gosh, this is what I, this is what I talk to people about going back to their roots of a relationship. Right. The, the very beginning of a relationship when you're genuinely curious and non-judgmental of a person yes. and having all that in- anticipation and the buildup of what happens next and where it's going to go. And that's, that's, uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's just really sad to me. Yeah. And it, it's, it's sad and what backs that up andrew is that dopamine is also released with uh successful social social interactions which unfortunately social media is actually playing off of um and that's the need that it meets is that need that you just talked about that that social interaction and that sort of build up when you meet somebody or the build up before you walk in a room and you're about to see a friend or you're like headed to church to see people or to a bar to see people or you know that sort of anticipation that often gets fused confused with anxiety Mm -hmm. it's actually uh it's actually the same circuits gearing you up for what is hopefully going to be a successful social interaction and your brain has healthy amounts of dopamine released when it's supposed to be released i think what's what's hard and what sucks about addiction is that you wind up seeking more and more of this feeling Right. Mm-hmm. So some people might say, well, what's so bad about the dopamine hits throughout the day off of my phone? Right. Um, the the problematic aspect of that is when you're engaging at that level with n- not real social interactions, but you're engaging this, the circuitry and parts of your brain that send dopamine because they think they're having successful social interactions. Right. It's the same thing that people use substances for. Correct. You create a world that feels better for yourself and you seek more and more of it because you can't actually deal with your own loneliness you can't deal with the feeling of being bored and you can't deal with who you are when everything is at its normal Mm. levels like we're just trying to increase the amount of social interaction increase the amount of feel good increase the amount of food increase the amount of sex take it to beyond its normal limits so that we can feel that because if we're by ourselves and we have to deal with what the existentialists call the lonely self Mm -hmm. um, or the unfortunately what happens is if we don't spend a lot of time in that lonely self or develop ourselves when we're alone 
what happens, the existentialist will say too. And, and really, this is psychology and philosophy. It's just the existentialist put words around it. It's the, they call it the empty self. Mm-hmm. So you have the lonely self, which can be a healthy place of development. But if you don't spend any time with the lonely self, what happens is it, it morphs into the empty self. Right. And dealing with empty is very different than dealing with lonely. Lonely is I don't have anything around and so I'm with myself. Mm. Empty is, I don't have anything around me. And with nothing around me, I am nothing. Um, Sounds depressing. Very, very depressing. And so what happens is, is we hit, that, we hit that loneliness stage. And rather than dealing with our loneliness, we pick up the phone. Right. Because it's instant access to not only the dopamine, but it's instant access to not having to do the self-development that exists in the space that is lonely to numb out right yeah precisely well let's sit in silence and marinate on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, man. that's wow. wild man that's wild stuff i um and it, you know i when you think about that it also makes sense why the dangers of comparison really start to become a factor Oh, yeah. it, with social media yes. um, so uh, what are some of the things Andrew that you hear um, either from clients from friends from family or even just stereotypes of social media comparison like what are some of the things that you hear about when, when you think that so I would say probably about once a week someone will say to me they'll, they'll be talking about uh, not being happy or feeling depressed or feeling down and then they'll comp- and they'll bring up social media and they'll say you know I see all these other families and they'll and they'll tell me like they'll say I know it's not true I know it's not real I know that everybody is not always happy and looks like that yes. but but they continue to look at it yes um, they're basically uh, it's like people know that it's almost like pornography in the sense that it's not real life right um, I saw a I saw a funny meme one time where it was like the typical fall family photo, but e- on each person it said how much their outfit costs that they're only going to wear for that photo, <laughs> and then also it was like the dad is actually disgruntled and the mom's on the verge mm-hmm. of a panic attack, yeah. and the kids are in in, in the ne- in thirty seconds from now this kid's about to freak out, yeah, <laughs> and um. But that's real, but nobody takes pictures of that, right? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> nobody posts it. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, yeah the, 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 from, from being in a from having my own family, the first 15 pictures <laughs> yeah. were showing. Right. That. And then there was that one where everybody like happened to look at the camera at the right time. Right. <laughs> it's like they won the unicorn picture. Uh, like my, my sister is a professional photographer. She does a lot of portraits for families and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many... like. Like outtake photos she has of like utter chaos uh, in between. Two thirds. <laughs> she text her. Oh, that's funny. Um, but to me, it's almost like it's like growing up poor but not knowing it. Like if everybody's uh, poor in your community and you grow up a certain way, you don't know until you see somebody drive past in a Maserati eating a $25 tur- uh, Disney World turkey leg <laughs> and just like chucks it out the window, you know? And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just like, oh, wow. Okay, that's what happiness looks like. My life right. must be really heinous because I'm eating 
a can of tuna fish. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's depressing when you start to, to compare yourself and start to think, well, everybody else is happy and I'm the only one that's sad. Mm-hmm. And to add to, to that, I mean, everything that we've been talking about, you go back to your social media account for that comfort. Uh-huh. And the only, cam- com- the only legitimate comfort you're going to get is from actual human interaction and community right. and support and people yes. to be like... You know, to to lift you up and to yes. support you and and to celebrate with you and suffer with you and grieve with you. Yes. Um. And and you just can't get that. Right. Uh, total. I mean, you can like. Mm-hmm. I have a client. She is. Um. She's pretty chronically ill, and she has. She's part of a support group of other people who have her disease, and like that's awesome. But um. But, but I just feel like the majority of people, you know, I mean, like mm-hmm. for her that works. They can't, you know, that these people are not going to be able to get out and, mm-hmm. and actually go to like a, like a like a therapy group oh, or yeah. anything. Yeah, man. Um, that's where it's beneficial. Yes, that's where it's totally beneficial. Got to throw in that caveat again. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think when you're starting to compare yourself and you're you're again falling back, going back to that ten minute brain conditioned habit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then. Yeah then you're just it's just going to continue to cause you to feel depressed and yes. empty and, and alone. Well, and that and in that comparison sense, you're seeing like these these pictures that I post of my family, you know, we want to look nice and presentable for, you know, the picture. One we, we put it on our mantle and look at it and smile and, yeah, yeah. and but we also remember the 3 hours that went into that. Um, the hell like, it took to get yeah, there. We're like grateful for this picture <laughs> yeah. that's like, oh, like it actually captures my kids real smiles, you yeah, know, yeah. like that's actually me. Like I and we're all together and happy, at least in that right. one second, yeah. right? And we caught it. And because those are the things that I, I love about being a family is like to see my son run up to the door when I come home and he's like, da, he calls me da, right? Yeah. And I was like, da, da, yeah. da, my little three-year-old, uh, my two-year-old. And then my other kids, you know, they say more than da. Yeah, but, that's the Irish yeah. coming out of him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> da. da. <laughs> I, I like to capture that smile and to share it is a beautiful thing. But what, what I don't think any of us think about is that that will, without context, which when you're in relationship with somebody in real life, you understand the context. Like you and I are really close friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I show you this picture of my kids smiling, mm-hmm. but you also know that in the last three weeks, two of them have had the flu and right. one of them has had croup, right? And yeah. so like you yeah. see this picture and you know, I know that one of them screamed for the entirety of a vacation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So like you, you know that, you know, the flip side because we're in a friendship that's actually real. Right. Um, whereas if somebody saw that, that went to high school with me and hasn't seen me in 10 years and oh, they yeah. see that picture and they think, God, Josh is doing so yeah. good. And what like, am I doing? With my what life? am I doing with yeah. my life? And that's like, it, Ah, that's that comparison piece that's really hard because for one person it creates insecurity mm-hmm. and then I get likes on it and what does that do for me, right? right. Like so that, I'm doing really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing really good, right? So it perpetuates this comparison thing, of course, until I might see somebody else who looks like they have it better. Now, right. I've, I've also heard from the opposite end of the spectrum where you have people that are very successful in life and have achieved happiness through really appropriate venues and they're like cautious about what they put online because they don't 
they don't want people to think that they haven't had to work for it. Hmm. Um, they don't like that. And I think that that's also uh, a problem in regards to comparison. And in all circumstances, all three, like if we were to look at all three of those circumstances, none of them are all actually authentic versions of self. Right. They are glimpses. Right. And so you don't, you have no context when you're talking about comparison and that's that's the danger i think there's even more danger in some of the accounts that i've randomly come across where you can actually and i I don't want to like judge here but there are but there are certain things that like you can tell that this business or this person has posted this thing just to get atten- just to get attention on this one thing so like yes. shock value right, right. or yes. clickbait yep. um, and when you look at that it's inc- it's it's the opposite of authentic right. it's intended to cause a reaction from you so that you react to their page so that Google maps their SEOs and says oh yeah they had 10,000 comments on their Instagram account so we're going to bump them up three places when people search for you know tacos in uh, Chattanooga right so it's like you that is the that's the antithesis of authentic in my opinion and so if you're comparing to those accounts it's it's you're actually you're comparing yourself to a standard in which you should probably try to avoid at all costs. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, that's there's that as well in regards to comparison. And you brought up depression. I'll bring up anxiety too. For sure. Um, depression, the, oh man, I'm not like this, or my family isn't like this, or we don't live that type of life, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's the anxiety of, and how do I achieve it? now that gets swept in it's right. like how do i do it oh man i need to do that i need to get that i need to do this thing there's this um there's this mom on instagram uh there's not a lot of dad accounts on instagram like uh, like you're on instant here. insta dads yeah like <laughs> but there's like a lot of i've noticed this and um julia showed me this this one lady i actually recommend you follow her her name's courtney adamo she um She's she she posts some really cool stuff and she did this um she did this educational course for moms. Their family is very wealthy based on the type of work that they've done and and that's noticeable in their their profile. Did they write they, the the primitive book? They didn't. That's yeah. who turned me onto that that oh, book okay, though. Okay. Yeah. Um Courtney's page she promoted uh, simple parenting or simplicity parenting. Yeah. yeah. Look, that book will that book's revolutionary in regards to some of the stuff we're talking about because it, it right. asks for a purge for your kids. Yeah, for your kids and the impact on your children. Right. Um but anyway, I think she she's actually done a pretty good job of not really like of she'll post a post of like the kids smiling or whatever or playing with something and then actually describe what went in. You know what it what what actually went into getting that photo. You know, um, or she doesn't really apologize for having money either. And she actually, what was that website that she created with someone else? Baby, oh, it's gonna drive me nuts that I can't remember it. Anyway, you can follow her. I think she's she's an example of maybe that that tier that we were talking about that is maybe on the more cautious side of what she posts and feeling sure. that way. I. <clears throat> I, she did an educational thing. She did three weeks 
or four weeks, she put together this giant like course for families and parenting and specifically mothers that I did with Julia. I thought it was really, really cool and it was so stinking useful. And I just happened to Google the course one day and a, like a, a string of articles came out about how Courtney Adamo, entitled, rich, white mm. woman, charges because she charged a little bit for the course she put a ton of work into it though I was like should have I don't think she charged enough but like there was this ridicule of you know she has this perfect life why does she need to feed off of middle class whatever it is that that narrative it just winds up creating these insecurities across the board and then you don't even know who to look to as a role model right so it all becomes very confused very confusing um Sorry, I got off on it. I thought you were going to say she takes a picture, like the the, the perfect family picture, and yeah. then you swipe, and then the next one is like the yeah. kid throwing up or something. <laughs> so it's like, this is real. I'm sure she has. <laughs> I'm sure she has some of that stuff in there. But she's she's actually really cool. They, they moved to, they're in Australia, and they really do promote like um, very simple living, which is, which is really cool. Um, let's see. Uh, here's a here's a good question, Andrew. I I wrote this in some of my notes. So, how do you feel like social media impacts our ability to interact with each other when we're actually in person? Do you um, remember this, like when yeah. you would talk to somebody on a messenger or like Facebook, or you text them a bunch? Or for now, it's like now people use like Tinder and dating apps, and you go right. rapid texting back and forth or emailing yeah. and like. Then you sit down and meet with the person, and what happens? You know, uh, like what? What are your thoughts on social media's um, impacts on our ability to actually connect in person, real time, with somebody? Right. Um, I I think it it just robs people of practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think obviously, like we've kind of talked about, it, it enhances social anxiety. Um, yeah, and it, I mean, it. So one of the one of the main things is so even when people are together, like people are always on their phone. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'll even do couples counseling, and somebody will, you know, check email or text like during the session, and I'll have to say like, "Hey, yeah, like, uh, is this like, is this like a glimpse of what's what goes on at home? Like, you guys really aren't facing each other. You're on your phone, and you're looking at the bookshelf and that kind of thing. So. Yeah. I wonder what it would be like if you put your phone down and you guys actually faced each other and, and talked. Like, yeah. Just have a conversation. Like continue like what we we're already talking about. Just just turn the phone off and, and actually engage each other. Mm. And it's difficult for people to do now. Yeah. Um, they'll do it for like a couple of sentences and then they kind of then they shift and turn and, and, and it's weird and now that I'm thinking about it, people will like still like touch their phone. Right. They'll still check it, like look at the time or whatever, even if it's I mean people will check the time like thirty times in yeah. session just out of impulse, right? And I so. and I would say that it is it's actually the attempt to pacify the anxiety of the of moment course. with dopamine. So like they're, uh, they're checking yeah. the time on their phone, quote unquote. But what it's doing is it's actually like, it's actually hitting that dopamine. Yep. It's hitting that dopamine uh, re- receptor feed in your brain. And you're attempting 
to get a hit of something that mm-hmm. will help you relax with the discomfort of the moment. Right. So it's not even avoidance. Right. It's medicating. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. In an interaction with somebody, there's a bunch of mini medication yeah. uh, dosaging, dosaging happening unless you put your phone away. Um, and I agree as far as, you know, the what, what, what happens is, is when you're behind a screen and you're interacting with pixels, yeah. it's very different than having to look at a person. Yeah, and be vulnerable. Right. And be honest. Yes. Right. This is what uh, I, I talked about in, I think, that relationship podcast mm-hmm. uh, where humans are like we, we walk upright with our soft tissue facing forward and nothing, um, nothing in front of us to stop someone from doing serious damage to our body if they're fa- like if we're facing them. Right. Whereas like an animal, they walk on all fours and most of their vital organs are actually protected by the ground. Right. We have to face someone to actually be known and to be recognized to be recognized as oh that's andrew Mm -hmm. i know you you know i'd know you at a distance because we've been friends with each other but if i just met you i would need to see that it was your face to know it was you so to even be known physically someone has to make eye contact with the front of your body instantly creating a sense of vulnerability in you so that, at its very core level, isn't happening on text. You're not having to manage the anxiety of knowing whether the person is a threat or not. And I think that's what it all comes down to, mm. is on social media and in texting, you can't get an accurate perception as to if someone is a threat or is a safe person to be around. Right. And so you get in a social interaction with them and you've had this safe mm-hmm. interaction through social media and a phone... But now you're in front of the person and you have to figure out whether they're safe or not, yet you've gone into half of your life already with them. It's changing our primal instincts. Right. Yep. yep. It is wild. That's wild to think about. Yeah, so I think it does have a negative impact on our social interactions in person. Well, and you can't... Um, it's, it's really difficult to kind of actually um, read between the lines of what somebody's legitimately saying through a message oh, that you're yeah. reading. Sure. Um, I mean, how many times have we all misinterpreted oh, yeah. a text message? Oh, you know? yeah. Um, and plus, somebody might actually say something they're, that they're legitimately trying to convey, and then later they're confronted about it in person. Yes. And then, they, and then they'll say, well, I didn't mean it like that. Right. Right? Yes. Um, so... You know, somebody might actually have kind of a cry for help, or actually mm-hmm. try to, to to say something to a partner, and then they'll and then, but again, in person, they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be like, "Oh, well, that's not what I meant. You read into that wrong." Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a lot of miscommunication can wind up happening that way, mm-hmm. and then misevaluation, like you you've you've misevaluated the person, or they've misevaluated you, and yep. you sit down in front of them, and it's a uh, Oh, totally. Yeah. It's a uh, it's crazy to me how many couples and families text in the same house. Yes. Um my uh my clinical response to that is uh don't do that. <laughs> don't do uh, it. Stop. Yeah. Uh be in the same room, put the phones down. Yeah. Uh talk. Sure. And especially times like uh and maybe I'm I'm kind of getting into other territory, but I mean I just throwing it out just especially like if you're eating dinner together sharing a meal mm-hmm. you know not checking email and yes that kind of thing well i think um 
I think we're naturally starting getting in that situation. We're starting to naturally move into okay. So what do we do about it? Right. Like, there's one thing I want to hit on before we move into that's what we do about it. And I I would be remiss I would be remiss if I didn't do this. Uh, the impacts of social media on those who have been diagnosed with serious mental illnesses. Um, mm. And so I, I'm thinking specifically bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder and maybe histronic um, right. as well. Um, uh, maybe general anxiety, oh, general anxiety disorder for sure. sure. The anxiety disorders. I'm going to walk through those four right. or actually I'm going to walk through three of those four really quick. So with generalized anxiety disorder, if you've been diagnosed with this or you have it, I don't need to explain it. And if you haven't been diagnosed with it, you can look it up. But I think social media, especially the algorithms in social media, are detrimental to GAD. Detrimental. Because what happens is, is you click on a link that is catastrophic. Oh, and yeah. the algorithm starts feeding you catastrophic news and polarized news. And chances that your kid is going to die in a car accident. Or this is how you should buckle the seatbelt. Or it starts giving you these suggested articles and putting people on your page and pictures yeah. on your page. And these. Like sex trafficking, right? Yeah, like, people. Like people right. Everybody's going to come and conduct your kid. Right. And I think that's pretty detrimental to the anxiety and OC, like the, the GAD and obsessive compulsive uh, yeah. uh, disorder. So I, I, I would recommend that that. We'll talk about what to do about it. Uh, you can apply the what to do's in any situation, but I don't want to leave these things out because I think it's really important, um, especially with our platform. Like it's really important to address those specific things. So with with the anxiety side of things, you really have to be careful. If your algorithm is producing a ton of worrisome things, um, you might want to restart your account altogether, yeah. or you might need to just take a substantial break from social media. All right. together, um, or only go to one place for a source of news. NPR doesn't really do that polarized. Everybody's going to die or everybody's going to live thing. Uh, right. They're pretty good for that. Podcasts are actually good for that too. A lot of because uh, they're not sponsored by. Well, some of them are right. sponsored, but they're sponsored by like uh, things that don't really dictate their content very much. Generally, um, right. well, it's usually like a subscription, and they get a kickback or whatever. Right. It's not- um, so in regards to borderline personality um, disorder, I, I caution in regards to social media and my clients who utilize social media. What happens is, is with the intense mood swings, what you might find, particularly if you're feeling very lonely, is that you'll download Tinder or you'll download um, one of the apps that, uh, um, that gives you immediate sexual or relational validation uh, and you wind up getting into sexting conversations or you wind up, you know, unfortunately, it's not good coping um, in regards to borderline personality disorder because you wind up getting into territory where people will take advantage of you and as they take advantage of you, you experience the validation that you want in regards to that and, and that's a really unhealthy pattern so if you know your own diagnosis and you know what you struggle with there really have to be careful with certain types of social media in regards to that um same with manic episodes in regards to bipolar disorder uh if you know you're hitting a manic episode or you feel hypomanic or you feel like you're going into that direction look like delete amazon off your phone 
um, like uh, delete Instagram, do have some sort of protocol for yourself in regards to social media because you might wind up saying things that are very manic um, online that you would regret two weeks later. Um, you might wind up purchasing things. Uh, you might wind up reaching out to old contacts while you're in a commu- committed relationship. Um, you know, th- there's there's some inerrant dangers there that I think, you know, we talked about these other dangers that, were, that I think blanket apply everywhere. But I think with these disorders specifically, there's sort of a unique thing that I've seen clinically that happens in regards to social media. And it's almost like all the negatives we talk about go steroidal, you know. Um, right. Anyway, uh, feel free to throw anything into that, Andrew. I think you said it very well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Um, awesome. So what do we do about it? <laughs> well, I just dropped my phone because I made some notes about what to do about it. <laughs> Maybe we should Google it. Actually, what if we take a quick break, Andrew? Um, take a quick break and come back and talk about what to do about it. Would that be all right? Uh, I'd rather not. Okay. Well. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, while we're taking a break, I just wanted to take a second to let you know about Traverse Counseling Services. Andrew and I are both counselors at Traverse. I own Traverse Counseling Services. We have an amazing staff, an amazing lineup of services at our offices, both in Chattanooga or in Chattanooga, Cleveland, Tennessee, and also Benton, Tennessee. Um, So if you have any questions about our services, feel free to give our offices a call or you can check us out online. We have a great... um, uh, a great social media presence. We have a great website where you can find out a ton of information about our services. Uh, we also have a blog up where you can check out some information that we put out on a pretty regular basis. So uh, just wanted to let you know what we have out there and um, we'll get back to it. All right. Takes us right into what do we do about it? I mean, it, cool. it makes such subconscious creeps into our everyday lives. And, um, dare I say, makes us feel important sometimes, too. Uh, uh, that kind of goes to some of what we talked about. But how, I don't know. What, I, I, you, you took some notes here, Andrew. I have some mental notes, too. Cool. What, what do we do about responsibly using social media? It looks like a, like a drink responsibly billboard, you know. Um, <laughs> 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 wow. Perfect. Um, So I have four things. Um, The first is uh, basically just don't expect it to fill voids in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Be very mindful of the time of day that you look at social media Um, and that just the ritual and the routine of it. Um, specifically, probably in times of sadness, boredom, you covered some, some mental health diagnosis specifically. Um, so yeah, I mean, just maybe I'm going to be a little nerd out a little bit here, but maybe even keeping a journal of, uh, of when, um, when you use social media, um, and if you're using it as a means to numb out, right. Um, or to get validation or any of the other themes that we've covered. Mm. Um, and I'm just going to go through these yeah, unless yeah, you just want to, unless you, and if you want to chime in by all means, sure. feel free. Um, um, so let's see. 
The the other one is uh, schedule times to look at social media. Mm-hmm. So do it intentionally and don't do it as just an automatic response or just a metacognitive response. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, just um, just plan it. This is uh, on your lunch break. That's when you you know if you eat lunch alone or something like that. Um, you know that's when you eat your salad. <laughs> or whatever yeah. or your fried chicken and mashed potatoes mm-hmm. and um, you know and then intentionally look at social media instead of just periodically looking at it between clients like I do <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, okay so uh, last thing is is don't uh, don't get on social media first thing in the morning or don't let it be the last thing you do at night Mm. Uh, first thing in the morning, uh, I think it kind of creates a clutter brain. It's, it's sensory overload. I think it just kind of jump starts us probably in the wrong light, especially if again, like your, um, you know, your, your social media accounts is like, uh, 10 ways to a better you. Right. Right. And so then, you know, I'll I'll, immediately you're like, Oh, I don't do those things. Or maybe I do that, but I don't do that. And I need to do this, this, and this. Um, or like, again, like the political bandwagon or what have you, right. It's not always positive. So it might not be the best way to start your day. And also, I mean, everything that we do, throughout the day how we think how we eat what our rituals are the the people we interact with all that changes our brain chemistry so if you do the same thing over and over and over and over again it's going to have i mean it's going to alter your brain chemistry to have an automatic response so i mean if you're used to just waking up and looking at social media it it could have a very adverse reaction that could set a really negative tone for your day mm-hmm. um and then in the evening I would say don't do it because it's just going to cause insomnia. Mm. Um, with you were talking about the pixels and the light and everything. Yes. yes. Uh, you, most of you probably heard about the blue light effect, where um, you know watching TV, uh, checking social media, checking email, anything like that, anything on a screen is going to tell your brain that it's daytime and it's time to be awake. It's too much stimuli. So probably. Um, uh, the best thing to do is if you have a partner, you know, like maybe talk to them. <laughs> yes. Have a, have a conversation. Uh, have a, you know, like a, uh, a dialogue. <laughs> uh, that would be, that would be cool. Uh, you know, you have kids, read them a story. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Read a book. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Read a book. Listen um, to a podcast. Listen yeah. to a podcast. Well, I don't, that might require. <laughs> oh yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, Dang it, it's so ingrained. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, so those were just, uh, those are some of my thoughts. Hmm. That's good stuff, man. Um, I think I'll add, I'll add a few of the, the things that I could put together in regards to the dangers that we put out there. The first one is heed the warning in the podcast. Like, so the natural inclination is going to be to end this podcast and your brain's going to want to forget about it. I'm just going to draw some generalities here and you can prove them wrong if you'd like to. But in about an hour, this is going to be the last thing you're thinking about because when you're addicted to something, 
your brain and your body tries to push the dangers of that substance out of consciousness, out of conscious awareness. And so in an hour from now, you're not going to be thinking about this. When in reality, it probably should be the thing that we're all thinking about an hour from now. And I hope that I'm thinking about an hour from now after I spoke about all of it. Right. Like hear the warning and let it be legitimate. I think that's the first thing I offer you. Let it be jarring. Let it be sort of shocking. Do some research on it. Um, don't research it in social media. <laughs> like, uh, do a good You'll firm Wikipedia. <laughs> do a good firm Wikipedia search. Now, just kidding. <laughs> uh, now you can go to things like the APA, the American Psychological Association. Uh, you can go to websites like Harvard's Graduate Studies. You can go to the MIT. Uh, graduate studies websites you can see a lot of the research that's being done Zapolsky does a lot of good research on this um, you can go to some of the podcasters that talk about this I mean you you drop this uh, drop this title drop in social media and depression or social media and anxiety social media and dopamine just drop it into your podcast search and you can listen to other people talk about this too from from really reputable like academic institutions or they have like phd level clinicians who have done the research themselves on this which is really cool so so allow yourself to do some research because if you are shocked that's actually part of what your brain needs to break its habits um not shamed but shocked uh, shame sort of perpetuates the cycle, unfortunately. Right. Yep. But shock, like, oh my gosh, I haven't been living uh, a real life. Like, I've been spending f- two to six hours of my day in another world that isn't my current actual world. Like, pixels are lighting up on, on a screen and showing me a world which doesn't actually exist if my phone is on sleep. Yep. Uh, and if the computer is just in the off position that world is not actually present with you so allow that to sink in that would be my first piece of advice the second one put a small basket in your home somewhere in which as soon as you walk through the door you place the phone in the basket and you don't touch it for two hours it puts the phone in the basket yes right (laughs) yes Um, you bring it in And everybody, as they walk through the doors, if your kids are old enough to have phones, if you have phones, put them in the basket and don't touch them for two hours. You don't need the phone. The phone doesn't need you. You are not the Secretary of Defense. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you can put the notifications on if you'd like. In other words, like you can have your phone on so you know that something's happening on your phone. And so you know, well, maybe in maybe at the two-hour market, I should check that because you know I had a phone call come in, or I could hear a text ding, and that might be family. I have a sick relative, things like that. So I might want to check it at the end of that two-hour mark. But my initial challenge to you, if you need to build up to that, that's fine. And you might have to build up to it based on the amount of dopamine that your phone releases into your brain on a daily basis. But phone, tablets, computers, two-hour hiatus as soon as you walk into the door. Um, the what, other, um, what, yeah. are the, what are the things that you can do uh, if during that two-hour hiatus? You know, and, and from, from what I could tell, Andrew, and when I do this, because it's a personal recommendation, right. um, what I can tell is that you, you will and you won't notice. What you're going to notice is the times in which you would have picked up your phone because your brain's going to say, check your phone, and you're going to be like, oh, where's my phone? And you'll right. remember, oh, it's in the basket. Right. And then you'll be left with like, 
Oh man, I was going to scroll for like 15 minutes on that thing. Um, and what you can do is look at the world that's around you, mm-hmm. like look up uh, and engage with someone in the room. Yeah. Um, if there's no one in the room to engage with, uh, maybe start cooking dinner. Uh, dinner can be cooked in 15 minutes. That's what's wild. Is like these normal life tasks mm-hmm. get procrastinated yep. because <laughs> we're on our phones. Um, or we get really stressed. I, as a family, it's like, oh, man, I don't want to cook dinner, right? But we've spent 45 minutes on the phone scrolling through social media randomly at random times over the last two hours. We could have had a four-course meal cooked right. in 45 minutes. Right. Um, so... Do normal tasks. Um, allow yourself to do those things. You could also body scan and see if you're actually feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. And then that might be why you want your phone or you're feeling depressed. And you can engage some healthy coping skills for that, uh, which would be awesome. If you have kids, they see you pick up your phone. Unfortunately, I think that uh, – I don't think. I don't see how a, a child couldn't think that the phone is more important than them. Ooh. I don't know how they couldn't draw that conclusion. Right. They don't have the life experience to know that, oh, you know, mom or dad's been at work all day and they're on their phone right now. So where does that leave me? Where does that leave me? Right. Um, so play with your children, like rough and tumble play with your children. Right. There's awesome research that shows it's great for their brain development. Sit. You can read a child's book in 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You've scrolled through your phone 15 to 20 minutes. You can literally read a whole entire child's book in that amount of time. Right. Sit down and do a puzzle. Play. My son loves chess. He's always asking me if I can play chess, uh, which I think it's awesome. I that he say, play chess. Cool. Yeah. So he schools me. He's, it's incredible. He's taking little classes, so he knows classic moves and stuff. Uh, no way. Yeah, he kicks my butt. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, already, uh, he already outfishes me like crazy. <laughs> I'm trying to play chess with the little guy. Uh, my son's eight years old, by the way. Just so you... Uh, yeah, going, on, going on 65 oh, right. in wisdom. <laughs> like, we went fishing today in a little pond, a neighbor's pond behind the house, and he, he caught me. 15 20 fish it was it was fun it was really fun anyway but that's i mean that's another great example like you know when you're unfortunately okay so this is one thing we didn't talk about with that high release of dopamine in your body there's actually a hard crash we didn't talk about that so if you're feeling anxiety and depression it could be because you've been stimulated so much throughout your day that you're actually crashing in the afternoon and you're withdrawing right and so you may not feel motivated like we have this pond in our neighbor's yard my son loves to fish. I might not feel in that moment because I've used social media all day. Mm-hmm. I get to that moment in my day and I feel anxious and depressed or I just feel exhausted and I don't want to take him out. Um, the less you use social media, I think the more energy you're going to have. For sure. Honestly. And so you could do something positive and productive with your energy. Um, so, yeah, that's the benefit of putting the thing in the, in the basket. Put it somewhere and leave it there. Um, don't charge it within arm's reach so when you're going to bed and you put your phone on to charge like charge it across the room uh, particularly if you use it as an alarm if you don't use it as as an alarm charge it in a laundry room charge it in the living room charge it in the kitchen charge it somewhere else don't have it within within arm's reach of you Um, 
That's one. That's a good recommendation. I talked about this in that Think About It series. You can also change your home screen uh, to only be utilities, the home screen on your phone. So that's one way to do it. My wife is, is kind of brilliant with this too. She actually doesn't download the apps. So if she wants to get on social media, she actually has to log in through Safari or Google Chrome on her phone. So it makes an extra step. It makes it a little more difficult. And you might be less likely to do that if you have to type in your email and your password every time to access it. Um, so that's kind of cool, good way of thinking about it. Um, so those are some practical things in regards to phone usage. Responsible, responsible social media usage. Um, I like Andrew's suggestion about the amount of time. Unfollow things and unsubscribe some th- from things and unsubscribe from people in groups that are promoting anxiety, depression, and comparison in your life. Right. Unsubscribe from them. You can do that. Um, so that's one thing you can do. When you post, post responsibly. Uh, responsibly. So we talked about all the benefits of social media on the front end and the things that it can be used for, for positive. Education, right, is a really big one. I tried to make my posts personally either something that causes someone to think in a way that's going to benefit their life or think about things that are not benefiting their life or updates on my life in general for people who don't live in close proximity to me but are really interested in what I'm doing and what my family's doing. So those are the two types of posts that I make. I try and stay off the argument side of things. One, because I get pulled into them pretty easily because I'd like to to think and formulate um, words and thoughts and sentences. And so I can get pulled into that stuff really easily and obsess about it. So I try to stay off that stuff. Also, <clears throat> because if you win in an argument, that's actually a successful social social interaction and you get a dopamine hit from that in your brain. So that's something else to important to realize as well. It's not just the positive likes it's also the altercations that produce dopamine too um anyway so that's side note so i try and stay away from that stuff um and i try to unfollow people who are constantly doing that uh, provoking or provocative um i really try and keep my following and followers in a lane in which we're all sort of pursuing healthy life healthy lifestyle um not a lot of drama not a lot of clickbait, things like that. Um, I love rap music. I love following rap music anyway. I don't listen to as much of it anymore. So I occasionally I have some like hip hop stuff pop on my, on my feed, just some random thing. Or if I talked about wicker baskets. Um, <laughs> so that that's another thing as far as using it responsibly. Um, be careful who you invite into your social media world um, because it seems to be so tied to your actual perception of reality, which is not a good thing, I don't think, but it's sort of here. If you, It's like inviting predators into your life. You have to be really careful of that type of stuff. Um, as far as other things to do, um, um, ta- like taper try and taper yourself off to where you can go a whole entire week without social media and it will this is probably the best recommendation i can give you um this is what i do with people who are trying to figure out if they have an alcohol problem or not it's like go one month without alcohol go one month without social media it will let you know very quickly how dependent or not dependent you are on it 
and what type of battle you might face. You know, I would say if you try and go one month with it, let me predict some things for you. The first three days, you'll feel like it's no big deal. Um, don't react based on your first three days. React on where you're at at day 14. Um, then react again based on where you're at at day 25 and then a summation on day 30 because what I what I see in addiction and especially in substance use when somebody's trying to um, when someone's trying to recover the third month the sixth month and the nine month mark all seem to be very very difficult Uh, so if you throw that into a microcosm of one month you can break that up into the three weeks that i just broke it up into and you can't react based on any one day you have to react based on the day that it was most difficult for you if that makes sense because any one day you might not think about it for six to eight hours and it's like oh it's not a big deal i can download it back to my phone no you need test over time and so yeah try and build it try and taper off to where you can go one week without it and then attempt a month and it will let you gauge whether or not um it'll let you gauge the level to which this is uh this is affecting your brain chemistry and your sense of self and causing you to um, repress or not deal with the reality of life around you so those are my suggestions. I'd like to add something just quickly. Um, uh, as far as coming home, putting your phone in the basket, I think that also applies to TV as well. Oh, yeah. Um, or background noise in oh, general. Yeah. So I think uh, a lot of people put, um, like, leave the news on or just have background noise. Um, even just try turning those things off, too. Yeah. Um, except for podcasts. <laughs> I always have a podcast rolling, but I mean, again, like I, I'm, I feel like it's not bad. Maybe yeah. mm-hmm. I think it's bad if you're if you're if you're around people and you're listening to the podcast and not yeah. listening to your loved ones. Sure. But um, yeah, well, I think too the, a good gauge for that because I experience this sometimes when I'm driving in the car. I, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks in the car mostly. Right. But I'll experience like if I don't have a podcast or audiobook on, sometimes I'll feel like a like a desire to get my phone out, plug right. it in, and, and play. And I check myself in those moments because maybe I actually have to deal with that. Like maybe there's something for me to discover in the loneliness of that moment. Like I don't need to check out. and Because learning something and educating yourself can also be a checkout, right? And so you, just because it's positive doesn't mean that it's uh, something that can be, can't be used for avoidance. Right, for so, sure. Yeah, so... It's not bad. I don't think it's bad to have a podcast rolling. But if you find yourself anxious without one rolling, that's sure. that's when you should maybe pay attention to what's going on. Um, yeah. Cool. Man, what a good discussion. We went for it. Um, anything else you want to throw in there, man? No, that was my last thought. Just um, don't leave CNN or Fox News on. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't wake up with that and go to bed with it because... Uh, I don't. I don't really know. That's one. Thing. I don't have cable, but I know people who do that. Yeah, how they do it. We didn't really. Me out. Maybe we should follow this podcast up. Maybe we could. Maybe we could follow it up on um, your positive. You're 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 keen on social psychology, Andrew. Yeah. Maybe we can follow up this with a a meet and bring in the media side. Oh, totally. Um, of 
social media into social psychology, right? Oh, because sure. that that would have taken probably a whole nother hour and a half to talk about the we talked about the relational side of it. We didn't right. even hit really on the the media side of it. I hit some on on it in the beginning with businesses. Right. We didn't talk about how like Facebook can make an ad appear in your feed a hundred times that's paid for by a politician and sway your vote right we didn't talk about that um that and i think a social psychology angle is actually the better angle to come at that from because you have to develop your own sense of responsibility but uh, that stuff gets weird when they start when the government starts having test groups on particular topics yep. and yeah. yeah it gets strange man yeah. uh and, yeah, and we can do it yeah and we're definitely i don't want to make anybody think we're like conspiracy based here that's that's just actually reality like that that's actually happening oh, and so sure. i'm not i'm not one to talk about any more of it than i just did but but i certainly am, am apt to talk about um your own personal identity development outside of media influence, right? So that's, I think, would be really helpful to focus in on. So maybe next time. Maybe that's what we'll follow up with. That'd be awesome. I know you were talking about wanting to do an episode on on social psychology. So yeah, of course. I love it. Cool. All right, guys. Well, guys and gals, y'all, um, everyone, yins. yins, we will... Um, We'll holler at you later. Bless your heart from Tennessee. There it is. (laughs) All right, see you. You have been listening to The Counselor's Chair, sponsored by Traverse Counseling Services. For more information, visit our website at www.traversecounselingservices.com or email us at contact at infotraverse.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. This podcast was recorded and produced by Josh Zello.